Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition, episode number 54 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Glad you're with us. Hope you had a great weekend. Great Mother's Day, of course. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, speaking of which, we're coming off a weekend where we had another no-hitter. So, Ep, by my count, that is four no-hitters at this point in the Major League Baseball season. The last time there were this many no-hitters at this point in the Major League season was 1917. Do you know what the league average was that year? I have it written down. I'm going to let you guess. 217. It was 249. Do you know what the league batting average as of this weekend is in 2021 across Major League Baseball? 230? 233. Very close. Very close. So we've talked about this on the show before. There was a time in baseball. It was called the dead ball era in the 70s and into the 80s. They had those AstroTurf fields. Everybody swung down, tried to hit a ground ball. Remember, they played in those rat-infested stadiums. Not ballparks. Stadiums. Yeah, stadiums. They were disgusting. And everybody hit ground balls. No home runs. Hitting. It was the dead ball era. And I got to thinking, prepping for the show this week, I... Are we entering the dead ball era part two? Is this the second dead ball era? Because when you look at the no hitters in the last two weeks, John Means, Wade Miley, no disrespect to those guys, but those are two guys, when you look at them traditionally, analytically, statistically, they are average to slightly above average pitchers. On a World Series or a team that's supposed to go deep into the postseason, they're number three or number four starters. And yet here they are throwing no hitters. So my question to you is, with home runs going up, starting to tick down a little bit, strikeouts going way up, and the league batting average being where it is, are we entering a dead ball era part two? No. Okay. Well, you're you're a lot more positive. That's, it. That's all I got, no. You're a lot no, more positive than with, I am because I, I think say, we are. I would say it has to do with runs scored. So I, I think we have to let this year play out and see the amount of runs scored before we would consider something a dead ball era because we're still we're not having a lot of two i mean there's still two to one games but you know during the the early 1900s right um you know there the people weren't scoring five runs a game and we're still seeing teams score five eights you know nine runs a game and then they're getting no hit you know when people expose them or they have an off night right they don't hit two or three home runs so i don't think it is number one because the ballparks are small um even in the 70s those ballparks were big I hear it from my dad all the time. In the World Series in 72, I hit three balls up against the right center field fence, and it was 385 feet to right center. Now it's 365, you know. So the stadiums are smaller. The balls are way harder, and guys are trying to hit home runs. So they're going to hit some home runs, and they're going to score some runs. But time will tell at the end of the season when you compare, you know, runs versus just batting average. I mean, I get batting average is low, and it's down, and, the game's boring because of it, because there's not a lot of action until there is, you know, oh, home run, yay. Hope he didn't blink. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, a walk and a home run, and, you know, some somebody's playing on their phone, and they miss the whole game. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to revisit this in four to five months. So could I give you a counterpoint? No, absolutely not. So, schedule. so 16 of the 30 teams throughout baseball coming into the weekend – have scored under, on average, under four runs per game. Glad you're with us, everybody. My name is Jim, and joining me as always... <laughs> you just dropped the mic on me? Is my... No, 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 no. I'm just... Yeah. I, I make I make points, and, and 
It's just what I, I set you up. That's just what we do on this. <laughs> yeah, tear them down. Radio, YouTube show. Let me bring in my friend, co-host, former coach, professional evaluator, instructor, successful softball coach now, from what I heard today. Our intern was out playing a lot of softball today, apparently. <laughs> yeah, successful business owner, the man with the plan, the people's champ. And he, as he always says, you better know your role and shut your mouth, Jake Epstein. I've never said that ever. No. I, I say use, that weekly. You say it, and I do like The Rock. He's going to be uh, our next president. Dwayne Johnson, 2024. Who's yeah, his vice president? Show, he's got a show about it. Who's his vice president? Yeah. No, his show is Young Rock, first of all. Uh, I would say um, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He's, I, th- I don't think he's alive. Oh, really? Yeah. But we might want to. our intern might want to check that for us. How about like Stone Cold? That would be great. Can you imagine? Just bring it. Just Can you imagine? Right. The Rock and, and Stone then, and, Cold are president and vice president. And maybe that way we could limit the power of our government a little bit. Mm. If you're maybe. into that kind of, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, yeah. If you're into limiting the power, then you would put two people in there that didn't have a lot of power, right? And then you give power back to the, back to the people, back to the states. Maybe at the state level. This is my libertarian spiel just because i heard a guy i've never i didn't even really know what libertarians were and i'm like eh, it's not a bad not a bad thing so you're now a libertarian apparently no no i don't no. know what i am now i'm yeah. just confused and lost and figuring out what we're going to talk about on today's show well i know what we're going to talk about it's our mechanical breakdown series volume 11 and we're breaking down the swing of my guy maybe i think he might be my hitting soulmate yours is vlad guerrero <laughs> mine might be his teammate bo bichette we're breaking him yeah. down today. So that's yeah, what we're talking about today. Yeah, no, that'll be cool. And the swing we're going to use is his first home run from this year, um, which will be kind of fun. That would be fun. Now, hold off on, on doing the uh, doing the, the annotation because we have some things that we look have how to discuss. important we are. I have multiple computers. Yeah. Too. What kind of computer is that? Don't say it because they're not a sponsor. <laughs> you can't, uh, we have to, we'll have to cover up that little logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else was I? Oh, don't forget to subscribe, everybody, to the show, Apple, Google, Spotify, and, of course, on our YouTube page, The Lab, Epstein Hitting Podcast um, on YouTube. We've gotten some uh, some good feedback from our YouTube page. And this will be great because our Mechanical Breakdown series, it, a visual element to that is, like, perfect, you know, because mm-hmm. now people can w- actually watch more in depth us breaking down the swings of these guys. I love okay. talking about Bo Bichette, by the way. Um, he's our topic at hand today. Uh, and I want to declare um, uh, that my scouting analysis from years ago, about three years ago, was correct. Okay, four years ago. It was correct about Bo Bichette. Uh, I wrote it down here. Um, I copied and pasted from what I wrote down just in my own notes from three years ago. Four years. I see you rolling your eyes. Four years ago. And you just rolled your eyes. I did, but it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. Um. I declared that Boba Shed had tremendous bat to ball, among other things, tremendous bat to ball skills, maybe the best in the Toronto organization, and someday will win a batting title. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to well be great when that happens. Yeah. I know. I, I have a question because I don't know a lot about it. Yes. He was a high school sign, right? He was a, a second he was, rounder. He wasn't a college. He, so he was a second rounder. Yes. So he waited to the second round. And you then... know, he was drafted in the first round that year. You probably don't. His name TJ Zoik, right-handed pitcher from Pittsburgh. Go ahead, F. <laughs> that was one one. He uh, TJ Zoik was one. He was in the first round, and Bo. Well, Bichette they were probably all. Oh, he was uh, first for the Blue Jays. Correct. 
Okay. Correct. TJ Zoy. So Bichette, Bichette was a second rounder. I, I wonder where he was supposed to go to college, like where he was set to go. Uh, somebody told me Florida State, but I'm not 100% sure. He was homeschooled as a kid. Mm. That doesn't really matter so much. He was kind of on this. He was on this path. Yeah. It's pretty good. It means you don't have to be a first rounder, man. Uh, and there's really one don't. thing. I don't know if you've ever seen. You may probably have done an analysis on his swing before when he was in high school, but he moved his hands down and his swing is a lot less handsy and more body, I guess, as he's moved on each level. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I did a, you know, is this his like fifth year? No. Cause I've only been working with uh, the crew for f- three years, four years. It's the fourth draft, third, fourth draft. So I, I wouldn't, I don't know what his, his swing was like before, but yes, he's definitely a lot body. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how much, he, how well he uses his body and how athletic he is to get into positions and how quick he is. Um, but he also has a pretty efficient hand path as well. Yeah. If you have any questions for the show, be sure to email us Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com. And we can't get to our questions today because we've got so much to do, but we will get back to them uh, next week. I alluded to it earlier in the show, earlier in the show, I guess a little bit. Um, Chili Davis got fired this week, unfortunately. Um, I guess the Mets want more from what I was reading, a more analytical approach and less of the old school. I don't really know what's wrong with the old school, but okay. Um, they want more of an analytical approach. Uh, what, what's your take on, first off, his firing? Because you alluded to it a little bit last week about how hard the job is for a hitting coach. But also, um, what do you make of his firing? And what do they mean when they talk about an analytical type approach rather than the traditional type? I'm not there, so I don't know. I I wish I was there. I I wish I was there to know in the organization and and what they're, what they're speaking about there or, or what they're, they're using as an excuse. They're Mm -hmm. obviously not hitting and they felt they needed to make a change. Yeah. Whether it was based on what he taught or how analytical or how, uh, you know, tech technologically savvy he is i'm not real sure but i don't know what an analytical i mean that's the job as a hitting coach isn't to run those reports the job of a hitting coach is maybe to to dissect those reports that are given to you from the front office mm-hmm. on how your players are going to be attacked mm-hmm. um I, I don't know you know if philosophically if he's I, I don't i don't know what he teaches he's been around for a pretty long time He's done. He did a wonderful job. I remember he was an Oakland hitting coach and 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 uh, had rave reviews, and uh, and then I think he was at Boston at some point. He's so with I, the Cubs as well. He's with the Cubs. Yeah, he kind of got kind of got ran out of Chicago, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So that's two places he's been run out of. That, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand why. I guess I'm trying. To yeah, I don't know either. I I do think from what I've heard is he is more of an an old school guy that maybe that's not what they're looking for. Maybe they're looking for somebody that can, um, you know, be more savvy, use hit tracks or not hit tracks, but use track man data, mm-hmm. maybe use rep. So to be able to, I, he may be a guy that's like, I don't want that crap. <laughs> right. Like I, I don't want that. I don't need it. I don't need yeah. to know how hard you're hitting the ball. You're a big leaguer. And I see that that ball was smoked. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't need it to know oh, it was one fifteen. Like yeah. I know you hit the crap out of it, you know? So maybe he was just very against it. Um, you know, I know as my dad got older, 
Um, and I started using technology and it was just video analysis. Really. He was mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll talk, I'll talk all day about the mental side of hitting, yeah. you know, he's like, and I'll do hitting, but he's like, I'm not going to use video. Like, it's just, I'm not going to sit in front of a computer and, and do that. So maybe that was kind of his deal. Maybe he, he just didn't want to do that, but I'd be speculating if I knew really anything about the situation because I don't except mm-hmm. for what you said, which was they want someone that's a little bit more analytical yeah. and maybe relates to players differently. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe these players want to sit down and watch their at bats and want somebody to relay that information. Mm-hmm. And maybe they weren't getting that. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to uh, pose a scenario, kind of put you on the spot here. Let's say a team says tomorrow, Ep, we want you to be our hitting coach. Right. And they say, but we want you to have an analytical approach along with your, your teachings. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about forming an analytical approach that helps connect with your hitters in that said organization? So I could, the cool part, like I could do anything. I could dumb it down or, or, or uh, dial it up, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of technology. Mm-hmm. So if you want analytical, let's look at, you know, the spin rate on the balls that you hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, you typically spin the ball too much, right? You get uh, too much topspin mm-hmm. or you get maybe too much backspin. Maybe our approach is too steep. Okay, we can adjust this, that, and the other and change your spin rate. Well, that's totally analytical, right? Yeah. But I could also be like, hey, Johnny, let's go out on the field mm-hmm. and hit, and I'm going to throw you batting practice, and I want you to swing up more here. And then he swings up and he keeps smothering balls, right? Kind of top spinning balls because that's his issue. And then I say, you know what? I, I want you to top these. I want you to chop down on these. And then all of a sudden he chops and like hits the top of the ball right in the ground. And then I say, okay, I want you to chop this, but I want you to aim for the bottom of the ball. And now all of a sudden he thinks he's chopping it. He hits the bottom of the ball and it launches with backspin with like a perfect spin rate. Yeah. And then we put video on it and say, okay, that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So you can do it with trial and error or you can do it with – analytics mm-hmm. um, on a mental side if you're trying to create an approach mm-hmm. you can simply digest that information as any coach and say you know what how does this guy usually get you out you have a conversation well he usually gets me out you know away okay well how does he get ahead of you yeah mm-hmm. okay well he typically throws me off speed early in the count okay let's look off speed okay so yeah. there's your conversation there's your very basic approach or you can say okay i'm going to download all the track man data on the last 40 at bats you had you know, or, or, or even mess with that. Here's the last 10 at bats you had against said pitcher. Mm-hmm. Here's how he attacked you. And you can use the analytics and actually the hard cup copy of, you know, what those numbers were. So that would be my approach. It's, it's, it's simply using more technology yeah. to arrive at your conclusion. Um, right. Do you always need to use technology to arrive at that conclusion? Not if you have experience or as you say, wisdom, you know, you know how to, you've been around the game and you, you know how the ball reacts off the bat and you yeah. don't need, you know, cameras and sensors and launch monitors. You can just be like, and, and the player is going to be like, Oh yeah, I feel that. That felt different. Yeah. Okay. Let's build on that. So yeah. anyway, you can, you can be as, you know, in love with technology as you want to be. And, and I could do that. Like I could geek out with the best of them, but I often choose not to. I often choose to geek out on my own. So I know the why, but then with the player, I try to simplify that, you know, information for them so that they can do it without their head exploding. Yeah. I have two questions. The first one I'll ask those is more, it more pertains to what you just said. 
Um, is that more, is that your approach just, and do you think simplifying things, do you think that's also the problem right now throughout the game of baseball is that things have gotten so complicated that all of a sudden 98 mile per hour fastballs are going by because everybody's thinking too much? Um, a little bit, I think, Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't think everybody understands the how why the bat is doing this, why the ball is doing that, why the strikeouts are where they are. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I, th- I think players are like, well, hey, did you see Chris Bryant the other day? I mean, what's Chris Bryant? Chris Bryant is, a, is an amateur player. What did his dad say? Never hit a ground ball. Every ball you hit hits the top of the cage. Do not hit a ground ball. Hit a fly ball. Be under. You're either going to miss or you're going to miss in the air or you're going to hit a home run or a line drive somewhere, right? You are not going to hit a ground ball. So that's his whole life. And then this year, what did his dad say recently in Sports Illustrated? All we worked on was hitting the top half of the ball. We set the hack attack machine at 90 miles an hour. Every single day, we took like 300 swings a day, and he was trying to keep his barrel up to stay on top of everything. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's 180 degrees from what he was used to doing, Mm -hmm. right? So what is the process? I did an annotation. I'm going to blow my own horn here okay? because it's it's, it's late at night. I did an annotation for Chris Bryant. It's in my online academy when he first came up. And I said, this is his problem. He's a very good hitter, mm-hmm. but this is his issue, and he'll be exposed on this. Yeah. And we're finally – this is like five or six years after I did that. Like it was a – I don't know how long he's been in the league. Maybe it's been seven years. And he's decided to make that adjustment with his dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It took him that long to do it. And he's hitting great. Yeah. He's not hitting ground balls. He's trying to hit the top of the ball. He's trying to stay on top of stuff. He's not hitting ground balls. He's hitting home runs still. Yeah. But he made a slight adjustment. And I think the issue is people are like, okay, I want to increase my launch angle. How do I do that? Well, I got to get underneath stuff. I got to drop down and do this. And there's just, that's not the proper way to do it. And when you do that, then you, you, you build in a bad mechanical issue yeah. and then you're done. So like, I'm a guy that doesn't want, especially with certain players, right? Like if you're a bigger person, you know, I want your miss to be in the air. No reason. And at the big league level, like you hit a ground ball, it's going to be, it's a double play, right? So your miss is in the air. Well, how do we do that? Well, we don't do it by just dumping the barrel underneath, right? We're going to do it by our through path. You know, where's our launch and where's our through path? But most people like, I'm just going to try to lift, get the ball in the air. I would say 95% of professional coaches Mm -hmm. don't have that process right. Right. And then, then the really good ones do. Well, you just answered. I think you just answered the question right there. Everything. I don't, what was the question? I don't remember. I mean, overall, I think nine. You said ninety-five yeah. percent don't understand that process. Maybe that—that's a huge problem. Maybe that's yeah. the problem within the game. And I think pitching coaches actually do understand that process, or maybe yeah. they understand it better. Yeah. No, I just think you know, I, and maybe it's not hitting coaches. Maybe it's. I mean, it, it's got to stem through the hitting coach somewhere. Maybe it's the front office. Maybe it's maybe it's the agent, the owners. Maybe it's, maybe it's the yeah. Maybe it's the player themselves. I just want to hit the ball in the air, and they don't know the right way to do it. Yeah, you know, there's one way to do it. You just drop your barrel, and when you do hit it, you'll probably hit under it if you're a little late, and then if you're a little tiny bit early, you're going to top it right. And that's kind of where Judge got into a little bit, like just kind of got out of that path a little bit and then mm-hmm. he's trying to fix that path which is the same thing that chris bryant is doing and when you have guys with that kind of ability if they do make that adjustment 
which I wish I could have had a conversation with both of them three mm-hmm. years ago about how to make it because they probably could have made the adjustment in like a week. Yeah. Because they're so talented. Like they're going to be great if they stick with it and they do make that adjustment. And I hope yeah. they do. And then pitchers will be like, okay, we're going to bring back the splitter. We're going to start throwing sinkers more, more and sinkers, sliders right. more, right? And then the hitters right. will have to be like, okay, now we got to dump the barrel a little bit more. Yeah. So it's yeah. a game of adjustments. As a hitter, you have to be able to do both. Yeah. Hey, there's a sinker ball pitch. You got to get under it. Okay. All right. This guy's throwing, you know, four seam fastballs at the belt. Okay. Find a way to, you know, we have to have a swing to be able to do that. And some people can, and some people, they're just robots and they do the same thing over again. But if you have a proper swing plane, then a, throw, a guy throwing a splitter or sinker, probably wouldn't matter because your swing plane is where it needs to be and it's adjustable correct it's adjustable you still have to get that barrel down a little bit more on pitches that are moving down because essentially it's the trajectory of the pitch right right now pitches fastballs only dropping like four degrees yeah but a sinker is probably going to be like eight or nine degrees so that gives you a couple more degrees to drop your barrel that's why guys that drop their barrel are good curveball hitters Mm -hmm. they're good breaking ball hitters because the ball's dropping like at 10 degrees yeah yeah. So the point. more you the more you swing up, the more you have more of an uppercut swing or, or kind of a barrel drop early swing, mm-hmm. the better the better you'll hit breaking balls coming in. Yeah. Guys, guys that that throw really hard will give those guys trouble. Uh, uh, the other question I wanted to ask, by the way, really quick. Do you hate when I say the word wisdom? No, I love you, but, when you say wisdom. You went like this. You said, as you say, wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked we've talked about like the first episode and i remember that wisdom because you're right it's wisdom wisdom it's great you, word you have experience man experience plus information can i tell you how many times in my life my dad has pounded that into my head he said you should listen to me because i have the wisdom i have the wisdom i have the wisdom and i'm sure I, you do the same thing i I'm, just visualize your dad with like a sorcerer hat on right yeah exactly or he that he visualizes himself with the sorcerer hat Maybe, on. he may do that wisdom 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 yeah. Um, oh, really quick. Um, uh, I don't want to forget this. Albert Pujols was DFA'd, as you probably know, yeah. last week. Uh, right move, wrong move. I think personally, people are going to hate me for saying this. I do think it was the right move, though. I mean, the Angels are in the thick of things in the American League West, but they go on, say, losing eight of nine or some kind of run like that, and they're out of the playoff picture yeah. again. And Mike Trout, they're wasting more years of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon. Those guys aren't getting any younger, among other guys. And they're still course. getting paid. Yes, of course. So, with that said, I don't think necessarily it was a terrible move. I don't want to see Albert go out that way, but I don't think it was a terrible move for the Angels. I, I, it's the ins and outs. So, it's the right move for the Angels in terms of production from their team and trying to build their team and getting somebody else at bats because Albert's done next year. Right. So it's apparently he is. Yes. If they can bring up a 21 or 22 year old guy to at least get at bats, right. That's better than having an aging veteran. Um, You know, if it was the national league and he was coming off the bench, you know, that would be pretty cool role for him. Mm -hmm. Maybe shows up in St. Louis if they want to give him a roster spot to finish his career as a a pinch hitter or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's sad that it it went out that way. I, I think the issue was, at least that I read he was fa- they were facing a pitcher that he had lit lit up the last six for nine off Ryan Yarborough yeah like, right, you're yeah. exactly right and he went in the lineup 
And I think that was the last straw. And so I'm thinking he went to them and said, look, this is BS. I need to be playing more. And they said, we just can't do that. And they couldn't come to some kind of compromise. And it's a PR nightmare, right, for the Angels. Yeah. and it, Or more for baseball, I think. It's sad to see aging veterans go out like that. I know that, you know, I'm not sure if Albert's really 41 right now. Like. Maybe forty three. That's yeah, why but I know he, he, he he's looked, but he's looked the same age for years. Yeah, he's he he. It sucks to get old, man. It just yeah. does. And he's trying to do something that is he he dominated. He was the best player in the game for so long, yeah. and uh, it's hard. Like you wish you would have gone out when he was thirty six, yeah. and been like, "See ya, thanks for the World <laughs> Series. I'm out." You yeah. know, or I don't know it's how old. Funny. Maybe he was only thirty when that happened, right? But maybe. Yeah. It's just a long, or maybe he just retired and said, I've had enough. I'm going to go spend time with my kids, but this is what he loves to do. Right. Yeah. It's what he loves to do every day. And he loves the process of working in the off season for it. So yeah. anyway, I, I hope that he gets a chance to, uh, I'd like to see him finish with the Cardinals. I think that'd be pretty cool. We're going to do a whole episode, by the way, on Albert Pujols, uh, probably at the end of the year, just yeah. to celebrate his career, look at his swing, maybe the way it's kind of evolved and changed, which it hasn't really changed too much. I don't think it really hasn't. No. We'll 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 uh we'll do an Albert Pujols episode, and he's kind of, of like our you know mantle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you know, everyone said you know people that saw Mantle late in his career. It's like, well, eh. you know, you think Albert Pujols, you're like, eh, right now, oh, Albert's up. Nobody cares when Albert's up right now. Yeah, good but point. At, like eight years ago, for like a twelve year span, people would stop and watch Albert Bell hit. Because he was the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now people, what we think of Albert is like, oh, Albert, he's old and whatever. But we don't remember that time he hit a ball to the, <laughs> which makes me, I don't know if you saw it. It was, I don't know where I saw it on Twitter. And it was like a, a, a picture of like the Mars rover, right? Yeah. It was a picture of the Mars landscape. And they, they put a baseball on there. Yeah. And they said, Here's the ball he hit in the playoffs in Houston. You know, they finally found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off, <laughs> I hit it off Brad Lidge. There's another off home Lidge, run yeah. that he – yeah, there's another home run that he hit in 2011, though, uh, in Texas, in Arlington. Another absolute bomb that he hit that people just, for whatever reason, seem to forget about. But I think it went the same distance as the one when he hit it in Houston. It was such a bomb. I wish he would have stayed with St. Louis personally. Yeah, I know. Would have made a nice, nice little, little story. By the way, the Angels have really—they uh, uh, didn't get much out of uh, in terms of wins and playoff, um, playoff exposure and, and appearances. I guess. I don't think it was a good two hundred and sixty million dollar investment. They—they uh, they didn't get what they wanted in on that in that instance from Pujols. They didn't get it from C.J. Wilson, left-handed pitcher. You might remember. Yeah. I mean, he fell apart. Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. I mean, the Angels just, they, right. they got to watch the movie Moneyball or something. By the way, a really quick question for you. Would you rather, do you like Moneyball better than Trouble with the Curve or Trouble with the Curve better than Moneyball? I like Moneyball better. Do you like it because Brad Pitt plays a good Billy Bean? Or I, like like Billy, I, I like the Billy Bean went to the high school I went to. So I kind of, I like Billy Bean. I like a story of, you know, just okay. Do you know him personally? Not me. No, I've never met him personally. Oh, okay. So I just, I like his story and I like, well, it's real life, right? I mean, trouble with the curve. I don't know. I'm sure if that's a true story or not. Maybe it is. It is not. 
Okay. It's still a good movie. There's a lot of good movies. Bull Durham is a good movie. Yeah, but I mean, I like how Trouble with the Curve kind of, you know, punches back in Moneyball and says, hey, us scouts, we know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. And they now, do. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. They do. I just like the movie itself. And I like Amy, uh, what's her name? Who was in it? She's a very, very pretty woman and a yeah. great actress. And I, you know what? She was great in that movie. Yeah, what's her name? Uh, Amy Adams or was that her name? Oh, it was Amy Adams. Yeah, the yeah, red, yeah, redhead. Right. Very, yeah. very yeah, she's pretty good. gal. Uh, I like when she says, uh, show him the curve. And he shows the guy the curve, the kid the curve. And just the kid just, you know. By the way, Bo Gentry is the kid's name in that movie. And yeah. he looks nothing like a number one overall pick. No. I mean, if my number one overall pick was that, I'd be like, what, what do we do? What, what? Oh, then again, I mean, with teams now and with their decisions, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. So. Yeah, very true. <sighs> anyway. All right. So we're, we're, having great, this? We're, getting, we're having a great episode here. Did you win today, at least? Yeah, we won the championship. Yeah, there you go. We got hardware. Although I was so... My competitive juices finally got the best of me today. What happened? What happened? Uh, like, I've been having fun coaching this team, you know, helping coach this team. And yeah, very positive. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you strike out. Okay, great. You swing at a pitch over your head. Awesome. You know, my whole thing all year, just throw and catch. Just throw and catch. If we catch yeah. it and we throw it and we don't give away runs, we're going to win. And that's what happened uh, today when we, we ended up going through the championship bracket. But um at the we we're going to the end of the game and this team was like really chirping mm-hmm. you know and, and mind you 12 u softball by the right way. were they doing the chance like the here we go oh yeah forever. the chance are not stop but all of a sudden their coach starts chirping at us and their fans and i'm like no so we come in after they they scored like you know five runs or something to come within one run of us mm-hmm. and i i turned around to the kids i brought on and i said look again 12 you girls i said this is the time we step on their necks right wow. now we, we score five runs and we put them in the coffin and they were like and then i was like all right let's go and then we went out and scored five runs and finished them off <laughs> <laughs> but i couldn't stop it it was great. like look don't let these people get back in now's the time to cut off their oxygen which what were the uh, where were these coaches saying i'm curious Oh, they thought, you know, there's time limits and stuff. And so nice. our pitcher, yeah, there's like, you know, at this, you know, you can't start a new inning after a certain amount of time. So, you know, we have a pitcher out there and she's struggling, right? Yeah, and she's yeah. like starting to cry because that's what we do at 12-year-old softball. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, time out. I run out there. I bring the team in and I say, you know, I tell them a joke. What do you tell them? What's right? the joke? I tell, I tell them a joke. I said, why can't a bicycle stand up by itself? Why? Because it's too tired. That's why it can't stand up anymore. Okay. And so she laughs and blah, blah, blah. All right. We go out there. She throws a strike and then mm-hmm. we get another out. And, and anyway, and then she, she throws like 15 balls in a row. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So our, our other coach goes out to take her out. And this coach comes in and goes, why are you stalling? You know, and they had scored like five runs. Why are yeah. you stalling? He's like, I have to put in another pitcher. This girl's crying and she doesn't want to pitch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we went out to hit and then that same coach was going over to our third base coach and being like, you guys are good enough. You don't have to play that way. And yeah. then I just, I, well, yeah. Just, did you go yeah. off on the coach or did you? I went, just, yeah. Yeah. I, told him, you, I said, you, I said Look, this, this guy's, I said, this guy's harassing my third base coach. Can you like get him back in his dugout, please? So wow. the umpire's like, all right, everybody's, you know, and then we just went, 
boom, boom, boom. We hit like back to back doubles. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, there's the nail. Go Did sit you, in that uh, cage. So if they listened, if they listened to this show, they're not listening anymore. Now they hate you. Well, thinking of the way that they coached and what their hitters look like, I don't think that they listen to this podcast. Good point. Uh, so at the end, when you guys went through the handshake line, it did you, you can't. It's COVID, so you just wave. Oh, he was fine, oh, man. Oh, okay. good job. You guys played great. So you just waved like, hey, hey, good game, guys. I was like, we can play three more innings. Like, Wait a second. Wait a second. Because of COVID, you can't like shake you hands? You can't shake other teams' hands. Really? Do you Only your wear, own hands. Is everybody forced to wear masks or no? No masks. Okay. No, no masks. We haven't seen the masks. So okay. So you, but you, but you just okay. kind of go out there and be like, hey. Yeah. 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 Salute. Hey. Good job. Yeah. I felt a little bad. Stupid. You know, we, we had to go out there after I said we need to step on next here. Yeah, but you once said though that softball is not as bad as as the baseball parents and coaches and in that oh everyone arena. Yeah, I don't think it's, eh, it's not as. It's you all know, bad. by the way, I saw a video on Instagram, our Instagram at Jim Tara at Epstein hitting. Same thing on Twitter too. I saw a video though of a coach or no, a, a guy imitating a coach of like an 11, 12 year old kid, and he had just the perfect mannerisms. You know how 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 fathers stand. Certain baseball fathers, they they stand with their legs real spread apart and their and their their arms crossed and folded, and they kind of have the brim of their hat down, the sunglasses on, while they're talking to the other person next to them, bragging about their kid, but not really trying to brag about their kid, but they're trying to brag about their kid. It was fucking perfect. That's awesome. It was the greatest thing. I hope yeah. I'm not like that parent. I'm not going to be though. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. If I am, slap me. Yeah, I try to stay in the shadows as much as possible and just like hang out with the kids and yeah, you know, not today. Give them, give them a little bit of advice. But yeah, I just the bear got poked a little bit. And, yeah. and hey, like I'm a human being. I like you're a competitor. I like yeah, like you know, I like yeah. to win. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into our uh, mechanical breakdown here of Bobichet, episode fifty four of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. It is volume eleven. I'm going to let right. you take it away, sir. Yeah, follow along with this snazzy new graphics that Jim's going to put in there. Well, All yeah, right. of course. Starting from the top, uh, Bichette here. This is his first home run of the season. So this is a 2021 swing, first home run of the year. And if we look at a couple of things, when you see him at the very top of his stride, that's a really big leg kick. Like his knee, his left knee is at the top of his right thigh. So... If I got into this position, I probably would be in the hospital. Like this is a very athletic move to be able to control that. And I think it's cool because he's like, I'm going to let it go. Like, I, I don't care. Is, I, I don't have two strikes. Right. And then when he gets to two strikes, I'm going to bring him down to like his toe touch position right here. He mm -hmm. kind of just starts like that. When he has two strikes, he just kind of lifts his heel up. He doesn't stride. And then he just tries to find a barrel. And I think that's pretty cool to be able to do that. It's not very easy, but you can see why he gets so much in it. I mean, this would be like a pitcher. A pitcher is going to get his leg up this much. Okay. But the great part about what he does is a lot of people, when they open their front side, so as he's coming down, watch his front knee and his front foot open. So it's closed, closed, closed. And then right before his foot's, you know, maybe about four inches off the ground, he's going to open his foot, which opens his knee, which opens his hip. But as he does that, he's trying to stay as quiet as he can with his hands. So his hands don't come forward. 
and his his chest and upper body because you can see his chest is still facing back behind his back foot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we get him to to his torque position here, his heel heel plant, and I put some angles on this, you know, his chest is kind of like if I go perpendicular to his shoulders, his chest is probably there. His hips, perpendicular to hips. So he's like right at 40 degrees or so. And that's about <clears throat> as high as it gets. You know, 40 degrees is really high. There's guys that are 25 to 28 degrees. And they provide enough power too. But Bichette, you would know better than me. Uh, how much does he weigh? Is he 190 pounds maybe? Yeah, about that. About 190. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not a massive dude. Six and one so, maybe. Six maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got to get into it and this is uh on a scale of one to ten ten being the most risk this is a 10 you know that stride is a 10 but he's done it for so long that he doesn't have a problem controlling it right that's yeah that's really the key with players when they say should i have a leg kick i'm like well try a leg kick like i don't care if you have a leg (laughs) kick or not like try it and if you're terrible at it we give it six months if you're terrible at it we scrap it but at least we can try it's always easier to go from here this high leg kick to a small leg kick than it is to go from a small leg kick to a big one like that you can't do if you're 14 and you're like i think i'm going to build in a leg kick it's too late okay or even 16 or even a pro player trying to do it it's very very difficult to to learn how to do that but if you start doing it when you're or or at least tinkering with it when you're 10 11 12 it's possible so okay getting him back to launch position now from here you can see he really stays back. So this camera angle is a little bit forward, okay? So we're not directly 90 degrees from home plate. But if I draw a vertical line from the middle of his head, it's pretty much over his his back hip, okay? And I think if we were directly 90 degrees, it would probably be over his hip flexor. That's where most good hitters are, okay? If you're directly 90 degrees to their open side, the mm-hmm. middle of their head is going to be over their right hip flexor. Now, when he goes to rotate, let's go here. I'm going to draw a line right through his head, the middle of his head. Look how he keeps his head back. Yeah. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. His eyes are still. His head is still. He's able to rotate around. You know, we talk about rotating around the axis. Well, the axis is the head. Like if your head is sliding forward or backwards, then it makes it hard to rotate around it. Okay. So if you can keep your head in the top of your spine still, then you can rotate around it. You can see he releases his backside, his back foot comes forward. Oh, I don't know, maybe two inches or so. Look at his knee action and thigh action. It's almost like two thighs become one by the time he hits. You don't even see his left thigh. He's rotated so much. Backstory on this pitch, it's middle in. Okay. So this pitch was probably ball one, like, you know, the first channel over home play. This pitch was middle in. So he really had to turn on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you can see he launched this, you know, this ball off the bat trajectory is, you know, somewhere in the low thirties or so 33 degrees. Um, and his bat, you know, was probably moving, you know, 10 there. And then it starts moving up a little bit, you know, so he probably hits it somewhere between 10 and 19. So we'll say 15, he's swinging up at 15. He hits it at 33. That's pretty good. That ball's going to go a long way. You can see his front foot release. See how he's pushing up through his heel after contact. Okay. So if you ever see, this is actually big for the, for parents and kids and coaches out there. If you ever see 
This is like certification material right here you're getting. Oh, if you ever, yeah. pay attention, everybody. See the toes lift right there? That means he's pushing through his heel and his hamstrings and his glutes. Okay. If you, and you'll see this a lot with players, if you see the heel lift, a lot of times you see the heel lift, that mm -hmm. means the weight's pushing in the toes. So you'll see the toes are in the ground, but the heel's up. That means the weight's in the front of the knee and the quad, and they're either too narrow or they're coming forward too much. They're rotating forward and maybe they're pushing back here too much, or like I said, they're just too narrow. So that front foot tells a pretty good story, but if we watch his back hip, this is kind of fun. This is so awesome. Watch his back knee pull his back foot up. Okay, see the knee right there, boom. As the knee comes in, the heel comes up. Then as the knee keeps going, it pulls the heel up more. Boom, boom, boom. It's all about the knee. And I don't know if I'm one of the only few guys that talk about it, but I'm a knee guy. When the knees work well, when this knee pulls back and this knee pulls forward, I don't even care about your feet. And I don't care about your hips because I know they'll be good. So I saw a, a, a um, Coach Schneider at, at 8 a.m. softball, right? We talked about Coach Schneider before. Awesome dude. Somebody posted something. I don't, I don't know if it was even a baseball coach. It may have been like a, a basketball coach or something. And it said, you know, being able to relate to your players or being able to communicate to your players mm -hmm. in different ways is what makes a good coach. And I would put a, 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 a footnote on there or a good teacher, right? Because you can tell Bo, Bo, I want your knees to come together. And Bo's like, okay, like this, sweet. Your hip speed just went through the roof. Maybe you say that to the next player and they look at you like, okay. And then they do something weird here. And a good coach is like, okay, I'm never going to say that to this player again. Let's think about getting your back heel high. You know, and then maybe all of a sudden they think about their heel and then their knee actually comes in. So we're getting to the same result, but we're using different terms to get there because everybody is different. Everybody has a different brain. Everybody has a different feel. Some people are Vanderbilt grads and some people are LaSalle grads. Like we can't keep <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, and, and some people aren't grads at all, right? Some people, I played with a dude uh, in short season. Oh, I can see him, but I can't remember his name. I sat with him on my first bus trip. Oh, and, and it was funny because I was trying to learn Spanish better. And so I would always talk to the Latin guys. Yeah. You know, how I say this and we say that, right? Sure, sure. And so I picked this guy and the Latin guys are like, eh, we don't even know what he's saying. Like we can't even understand. But anyway, they drafted him. He was throwing like rocks at grapefruits yeah. trying to knock them down. Yeah. And somebody gave him a contract. So you have people like that, that you have to teach. And then you have, like I said, people from Vanderbilt, you know, or, or, or really big brain kind of guys. So anyway, that's what makes a good coach. So if we look at this swing, if we break down a little more, you can see how tight his arms are at contact, right? His right elbow is really tight. We talked about this with different players, how this isn't good unless it's an inside pitch. So, as he comes through here, even though that arm is tight, he still gets to extension, right? He still gets to an awesome power V. It's just later. It's in foul territory. And we talk about a lot about this at certification. Where is your power V position, right? Like where is it in fair territory? Is it in foul territory? Is it in right field? Is it in left field? 
you know, it's dependent on the pitch. If the pitch yeah. is inside, I don't want you to alligator arm this around because it'll create bad habits. But if you do it to get to the ball and then you still stay through it with his arms, now all of a sudden on an outside pitch, you'll be able to get to it. So what I'm going to do now, I'm pausing the video, but I'm going to try to bring in another clip of him where he's fooled. Okay, so just kind of bear with me for 15 to 20 seconds. Well, let me, uh, so let me, if while yeah. you're doing that, if I, can I ask you a question at the same time? Can you look it up and I'm already done, Jim. Oh, oh well proceed. No, you can still ask a question. Okay. Let me go through this. First. Go through okay. that. And then I'll ask the question okay. at the end. Okay. So this is a pitch. He's totally fooled on the pitch is down and away. It's a slider that he's going to hit. You don't have access to this clip, Jim. So sorry. But look at his right, you know, right arm. Just nod like you know what's going on. You'll see his right arm isn't close to his ribs. Okay. It's not close to being bent. And then watch him extend through. So look at where his – this was a home run too. Look at where his power V is on this one. His power V is pointing to the right of the pitcher, where on the one before his power V was in foul territory. So that's what makes a good hitter, a guy that can keep his arms tight when he has to but if he would have kept his arms tight on this pitch, he would have missed it by probably 10 or 12 inches. Instead, even though he was fooled a little bit, he still got barrel. He still hit a home run. And maybe he wins a batting title because of that one swing. So and now back to you, Jim. You're placating me by saying that, aren't you? I, I hope it happens. Um, all right. Well, uh, let me ask you this. So I mentioned yes. earlier tremendous bat-to-ball skills. What do you think right now of his bat-to-ball skills? Off the charts. Okay. Above way above average. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I totally right. agree with you. hundred percent. So you think he will win a batting title one day or has a shot to, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think the fact that you said that five years ago is now maybe every scouting report you wrote that year, you said that because you're like, one of these is going to hit. <laughs> yeah. Right. But every, no, every, I mean, everybody if, wins a batting title. I mean, I don't know if, how old I did say that about him. I'll give you my Hazel, Adam Hazley report one day. I'll show you that one. Okay. That one was kind of right, too. How old was Bichette when you, you made was, that call? He was 19. Okay, 19. So that's, that's a tough call. But the fact that he's in the big leagues, yeah, you got that right. I did. The, the I did. Fact but that's that an easy one. I'm not going to give myself credit for that. Really? That's, like, that's an easy one. You knew I'll tell 19, you why. he was going to be a consistent big leaguer? An everyday big leaguer for more I, than me saying, well, years. I think saying a second rounder who was hitting off the charts as he was in Lansing, which was the class A affiliate at the time, it's kind of easy to predict. And plus, he kind of had a rocket ship along with Vlad. It's easy to predict that he's going to be a big leaguer. Now, yeah. it's really, in my opinion, it was breaking down okay, what kind of big leaguer are we looking at? A guy who's going to stay yeah. short, which I think he will. Is he going to win a batting title or be just be kind of uh, Marcus Simeon, who, by the way, is a really good player, or Didi Gregorius, who is a good player, but yeah. not a superstar type? Right. I predicted a superstar type. You predicted Bo, a superstar. And I, mean, I predicted very great, great bat to ball skills. Yeah. Nice call. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're you sarcasm you, you did no no, no i, I feel it in that. my bones you that you're being it. sarcastic sir you deserve it. no I'm, I'm actually not normally i am so uh let me ask you about his uh hand path what do you think of that hand path some would say he has a barrel dump or or he was whatever slightly i think slightly he does 
was it was it on that pitch which looked to be thigh high inside? Yeah, low? he had a little bit. Like if he didn't okay. quite get it out in front, he would have been exposed. But it's it's one of those. It's not a drastic dump. It's not a dump that's going to cause him to miss pitches. It's going to cause him to foul pitches off. Yeah. But the fact that he continues his extent, most guys that have a little bit of a dump, they don't extend properly. Okay. They extend too late. Yeah. And so then when they're late, they swing under it or foul it back. And when they're early, they top it. He's a guy that might have, on a scale of one to 10, a barrel dump, like a two. Okay. Mm. What well, he does, but he doesn't try to correct it. He knows he's underneath, and he still sticks with his good extension. Yeah, and that allows him to get to all pitches. So um, he has a very good hand path, uh, primarily because there's no casting and there's no bat drag and there's no arm bar. He turns very much in sync and in unison with his arms. He yeah. doesn't have any. So barrel dump typically is when guys are doing that with their hands early. So, you know, he might have this hitch as he lifts his hands up, but when he goes to here, he kind of turns with them this way. He doesn't turn and do that. That's what I'm looking at. Underneath, right? So I I, I think, you know, I I think his his path is good, most importantly, because it's adjustable, like we showed on those two pitches. He got to a pitch that was on the inside corner. Mm Mm-hmm pulled it for a home run without hooking it foul. Yeah. And then he takes a pitch down and away at his shins and he's still able to get barrel on it yeah. and elevate it mm-hmm. without rolling over the top of it. To me, that means you, you have a good path because it's, it's adjustable. This game, I don't care what part of the game you're doing. It's a game of adjustments. Mm-hmm. If you're hitting, it's a game of, if you're pitching, it's a game. If you're fielding balls, if you're, you know, reading fly balls, if you're a catcher, you're, if you're a manager, you're constantly making adjustments mm-hmm. and there's nothing that drives me crazier than someone that does the same thing over and over again without making an adjustment. And mm-hmm. so I'm very good about that when, and so are my instructors down at the lab because I kind of harp on it all the time. Yeah. You just swung. I told you, I showed you, you just swung under three balls in a row. Don't swing under the fourth. Swing over it. Make me happy. Miss it by this much. I'm going to video it. Miss it by this much over the top. You know what happens? They hit it. And I'm like, you made an adjustment. Mm-hmm. What happens if I wasn't here and you took another 60 swings and you swung under the next 40 of them? That'd be a bad day, right? You wouldn't yeah. feel very good. Make mm-hmm. an adjustment. And... um Maybe I should make a shirt that says make adjustment, make an adjustment. That'd be good. You know what? We could both, you could make that shirt. We could both wear it. And that could be like the new theme of our, our podcast. Yeah. yeah we Lab Epstein podcast. What? what if it was make an effing adjustment? It could. The Lab Epstein podcast. Make an effing adjustment. That's right. If does your podcast suck, make an adjustment. <laughs> Are you tired of your podcast? Listen to ours. Are you listening to the wrong hitting guru, the wrong hitting podcast? Make an effing adjustment. The lab, Epstein hitting podcast. Yeah. Like um, what do you, what so what do you think, Bo? Uh, I kind of predicted his future, I guess. I'm gonna what what what's your prediction of Bo's future going forward? Is he going to be playing for the next 20 years? Or well, 18 at this point, so he's 40, like Albert. Will he get hurt like Tulo did, unfortunately? <laughs> Will he be playing shortstop his entire career? What do you see in the future in your um, 
crystal ball, if you. I will. wish I had. I wish I was. I wish I watched him more in game stuff because I really only see highlights of yeah. him. So I, I would be guessing if mm-hmm. any of those. Um, I'm not sure he'll always be a shortstop. I don't Why think. Is any, that? I don't know. I think you have shortstops that are just. It's a very demanding position. You know, and it's okay. it's hard to be consistent offensive short. It's like being an offensive catcher. Um, I don't know. I see him as, you know, maybe a third baseman after seven or eight years in the league. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of – and I think he'll play for 15 because why would you play for 20 anymore? You know what I mean? Make, yeah. I mean, unless, unless he's got multiple batting titles, you know, he wants to get 3,000 hits. Um and, and he's close to being a Hall of Famer. And then you stretch out your career. But I'll be honest, you make plenty of money. Go out on top. Play to your 35 years old. Okay. Go out on top. Spend time with your kids. Mm-hmm. Too many people don't get to do that. All right. Well, but he's only 30. He's going to be, if that's the case, he'll only be 35. So then, I mean, some people still aren't settled into their careers at 35 in the real world. Right. So yeah. what does he do then? Buys a yacht, goes fishing. Yeah, but he has he has many more years after that. I know. He goes after the big fish. He tries to he tries to make the senior tour in golf by the time he's fifty. So he's going to so be like he Tony Romo. He like trains to become a, a you know a plus five handicap. I don't That's think I don't think Bo there. golfs knowing him. Could you imagine though with that swing, what he would do? He would so. have no stand. His sandwich would go. 190 yards. Yeah, I forgot to mention something, by the way. Thank you for bringing that up. He uh, is a big-time tennis player. Oh, that's right. Uh, you might have known and that. They have a big tennis family, right? Yes. Yeah. His mom, I think so. I think so. Okay. So how, does that, how did that affect his swing, if any? Maybe not. You create a lot of torque in tennis. Okay. Torque with what? The hands? Your, your lower body. No, your lower, lower body. body. Okay. Lower body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to get your legs into position. Mm-hmm. It typically causes people to um, bat drag though. Oh. Because the tennis move, if you watch tennis players, their back elbows underneath. Yeah. So that when they straighten it, they turn the face over so they can top spin balls. Maybe he'll be like, like some like tennis athlete when he's done playing baseball. Yeah. Maybe he'll become a commentator. Mm. Maybe he'll be. I mean, what does everyone do? Maybe. What does David Ortiz do? He shows up once a year. He's okay. You're not an A Rod guy either. So maybe he'll be no, like. I like A Rod. No, you know, you don't. You said last like, week you didn't like him. I like listening to the things that he says. Right. Because I think he has really good information that comes out of his mouth. I don't care for the delivery in, in which it comes out. I mean, it's not terrible, but. Um, but I think he's. I, I think he, I, I wish kids would listen to him talk because yeah. he just spews wisdom. You stop, you're making fun of me. You're making fun he of me. He does though. I mean, God, imagine how many pitches he's seen in his life, how many at bats he's had, how he thinks, and he talks about that kind of stuff. Uh, that that part of it's really good. You know, I could. You know, whatever he does, whatever he wants. With his- you know, All right, so so Bo personal. will play Bo will play until he's thirty five. You don't like a Rod's delivery, but you like what he says. Correct. And did I miss anything else? It's got to be something. I'm sure there is. 
Yeah. I'm sure, there's a lot of things. There is something I'll tell you off air. Okay. It has to do with me writing a certain report about a certain player that I really like in this year's draft. Nice. I don't know if you can tell me that. Uh, oh, I don't know if I could. Well, who's going to know, right? Who's going to find yeah. out? Who's gonna I, know? I plead the uh, the proverbial fifth. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, next week. Uh, um, great stuff with Bo this week. Finally got to Bo. So we've done Vlad. We've done Bo. We're doing Ronald Acuna Jr. in a few weeks. Next week, our, we're talking about the first 100 plate appearances for a hitter in a season, which is vital, vitally important. We're going to kind of break that down. The first 100 plate appearances for a hitter because they are very important, and they kind of tell you what your season is going – the rest of your season is going to be like, and I think it leaves some hints and clues as to what the hell went wrong in your training and what, what's going wrong in your season in general. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, how you prepared for the season. Because yeah. sometimes what happens is – we'll talk about this on that episode. But sometimes what happens is we prepare the wrong way and we start off terribly and then we mm-hmm. get back to our groove that we normally do. Yeah. It's interesting to watch that. The difference yeah. Is. And before you know it, sometimes that groove, it's too late, right? Yeah. Or you don't have a job anymore. Oof. Well, you gotta, you, we have to end, do we have to end the show on that negative note? No. No. Well, one, one person losing their job is one person gaining a job. All right. How about that? <laughs> Epstein 2024. <laughs> remember, remember, we can, all those pipeline workers will find new jobs. Don't worry. It's okay. Yeah, they'll we'll find just, new jobs. They'll create new jobs. That's what create we do new, yeah, in America. Yeah, they'll get new jobs. Um, by the way, uh, speaking of jobs, uh, Steve Jobs. Trying to make a correlation. Oh, no. That's not Steve no, Jobs. No, no, Here's my LaSalle degree coming out. It's the other guy, Bill Gates, getting divorced. To, yeah, he's getting a divorce. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Do you ever see a video of him getting a pie to the face when he's in New York City? <laughs> no. Yeah, you should check that out on Twitter. Such a funny thing. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, I try to make correlation with jobs and the lab BCS promo, but I couldn't. And that's my LaSalle education once again coming out. Sorry, everybody. Oh, no, that's okay. But hey, listen, if you don't come to the lab, I, people won't have jobs. See how easy that is? Yes. Yeah. yeah, everybody. I got I got a lot of a lot of people working down there. They got kids. Yeah. You got to put they got to put food on the table. No. Yeah. Come on out. Summer camp season, baby. Boom. Bingo. Summer camp's coming. And I do have more people that we brought in, uh, high school and college coaches, to help with those summer camps. So there's, what, there, what, there's what, the plug. Uh, what college coaches? Am I allowed to know? Or is smaller, like a, no, they're small, smaller college coaches. Yeah. Well, nevertheless. So small kids camps. Okay. Yeah. And what, what's going to be going on at those summer camps? All kinds of fun, Jim. I know. Well, I know, but I mean, you know. Uh, fun is it, are they all day camps? So like the, yeah, kid, you the know, parents the first and the one kids. Is, we're going to have a bunch of different ones. The first yeah. one is, is younger guys, and it's fun. It's fundamentals in the morning and then games in the afternoon, like home run derby, over the line, dodgeball, pickle drills. Yeah. Like So we work hard in the morning. We get our work done. Uh, fundamentally, all skills camp, defense, throwing, hitting. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have some more advanced guys. We'll have older player camps that are just focused, you know, more specializing on hitting or fielding mm-hmm. um, throughout the summer. So, yeah, come yeah. see us. There's nothing like a summer in Texas. We have air conditioning. It's great. Are you going to uh, make the kids or kids' parents sign a waiver? 
know, because dodgeball could really be a problem. Yeah, I'm not worried about dodgeball as much as, you know, just kids yeah. being kids right. on the field. Yeah. Right, but at the same time, you know. Yeah, those foam balls, they're foam. Oh, they're, they're foam. Like, okay. They're, they're not foam. like they're not what they're you get like in gym class. Balls. No, they're like those volleyball ones. Those they're rubber like, balls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dodgeball is always my favorite game. It's the best. I was really good at it. Yeah. Among other things. But so. dodgeball. Are we done? Yep. You want to be done? Signing off. Happy Mother's Day. Well, already Mother's Day already passed there, Chief. Yeah, I'm just backdating it and saying, hey. Backdating. Great, great Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Everyone. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week, everybody. You take care. Happy Mother's Day.